Hi, this is Kimberly McKay. Welcome to A Novel Thought. Today, my guest is Chrissy Dallas, one of my new favorite authors. Her bio says she loves pop music, mismatched socks, and fried chicken. If that isn't enough to make you smile, her writing definitely will. I recently started the Phantom series and could not put it down. I went through her first four books in two days. Chrissy, welcome. I'm so excited to have you. Hi, I'm so excited to be on here with you, Kim. And two days, really? Did you really read those books in two days? Yes. I don't know if you saw the news, but Oklahoma had quite the ice storm last week. Yeah. And we were out without power for five days. So the only entertainment I had was my phone. And even that, I'm like, my battery power is going dead. I need to save this for emergencies. Oh. But I am not giving up on the Phantom series because I couldn't wait to see what happened with what I now call Gabney. And <laughs> it's Whitney and Gabe or, you know. Caleb. Yep. Yep. It's They're great. The books are great. I know Jill Cox, who is a mutual friend of ours. She was someone I interviewed on episode three. She recently Mm -hmm. posted about how it's the perfect option for anyone 10 and up. But I'm thinking, heck, 10 and up, 40 and up. I I love the books. I'm so glad to hear that. Well, and it's true. I mean, probably about half of my fans are adults too. You know, like it's not just teenagers. Like adults, I think, want to kind of get lost again in that first love and magical experiences. I mean, hey, we all want to find a magical portal to a place we've never been. You know, I mean, I'm 40. I get it. Yeah, I'm there too. I think as women, especially, well, I can't say as women, I'm not in the the male brain, I would imagine men would probably think this way. But once we hit our (laughs) 40s, we start thinking, what have I accomplished in life? What has been, Mm. you know, I had a bucket list, I started in my 30s. I don't know about you, I didn't call it a bucket list, because I wasn't trying to be morbid. It was just like, what do I want to be when I grow up? And what do I want to do by the time I'm 40? And so now that I'm in my 40s, there's still something about reading this series, because it gives you that first initial glimpse of what what it's like to figure things out. And now as a woman, as I've figured mm-hmm. things out, it's just nice to read it from my perspective. Does that make sense? Right. No, I totally get it. And I think too, for my series particularly, and my particular writing style, I do write a lot of family drama into mm-hmm. the series. And so you actually have a lot of important characters who are all ages. Yes. And having started writing this series when I was 27, and now I'm 40, I relate to different characters <laughs> in different ways, just because of where I've been over the last 12 years. So I do, I love that the Phantom Island series really, it's a, it can be a family series. And I have a lot of parents who read it with their kids. Yeah. And I've had so many moms come to me over the years and say they love that there's a book they and their daughters can read together or they and their son can read together. And that's so special to me because I do want them to be able to experience that as families. And it gives a mom and daughter common ground, too, to go, hey, what do you think about when that happened? Or, oh, yeah, I can totally relate to this. So, yeah, I think you can find yourself anywhere in these books. At least that's my hope as an author. When I'm reading the wise, discerning words of the father to the daughter or the best friend, Morgan, which everybody needs a Morgan in their life. Of, I know. Of a Morgan. I Morgan. <laughs> yeah, she's amazing. When I read the interaction and the dialogue, I'm thinking, geez, Louise, did you have a degree in psychology? I mean, you have that human aspect. I did. <laughs> okay, see, I didn't know that, but that totally That's makes so sense. Funny. Yeah, so I, I did. I was a family psych major, and I was going to go into counseling, and then God just had different plans for me and made me a pastor's wife, and so wow. actually a youth pastor's wife, which you do a lot of counseling through that also, Yeah. but for the last 17 
15 years, really since I got out of college, I've been in youth ministry and teaching junior high. And so teenagers are my world. So when I'm in dialogue with them and hearing their stories, seeing what they write, what they journal about, you know, I keep a pulse on that age group and what's important to them, what captures their heart and emotions. So, so yeah, I do. A lot of these characters come from years of experience of watching family dynamics and kind of sometimes being in the middle of people's darkest moments too yeah. and trying to pull them to the light and kind of pull them out of that and being part of their support system. So I've seen a lot. And yeah, I, I'd like to think that it definitely impacts what I write and how I write it. It definitely um, does. But in a safe way. You know, you got to do that in a safe way as a writer. I don't want to glorify the dark side of life, but it has to be there so that you can appreciate the light. Absolutely. You appreciate those good moments, the blessings that come about because of it. The light wouldn't shine as bright if there weren't any darkness in this world. It's always a good, powerful message in that. Exactly. I have to know more about your signature hair. How is it tied to your books and how is it branded you? Because I see your profile pictures and I'll watch your Insta and you're like, hey, you know, this is my hair and it's for my fans. And I'm like, okay, I got to know the story behind it. <laughs> Okay, so if you've read the books, then you know Whitney is very blonde and has gray eyes. And all of her physical features are actually super important in the series. But I grew up as a blonde child, naturally blonde. And then as I got older, my hair got darker and kind of just became this like dishwater blonde color. <laughs> I was always kind of bitter about that. So I started highlighting it, I think, my senior year. But I stayed blonde through my 20s. And then I thought, you know, I would really like to try some black in my hair. But I have to keep light around my face because my complexion goes with blonde. Mm -hmm. So we started putting in black in the hair. And I just kept these this two-toned black and white hair. So people ask me all the time, what is your natural hair color? To be honest at this point, I really don't know. Um, and the world will never know. And the world will never know when I'm going gray because you're only going to see the black. What ended up happening, I mean, I did it because I loved it and it made me happy. And every once in a while, I throw in some purple or pink or blue in there in the summers because I am a teacher and I have to follow the rules. But I just did it for me. And it started becoming like a way that people recognize me. So, you know, we'd be at these big book festivals and I would speak on panel discussions or I'd go places to schools or whatever. And it was like always like, oh, yeah, the one with the black and white hair. And, <laughs> and it just started becoming like something people recognize. Well, then, Kim, I've been doing this for 12 years now as an author. And in the last few years, and really since probably since I had my six-year-old, because I still remember being pregnant with him when this happened the first time, I'll be out in public and people recognize me from my hair. And wow. I'm never prepared for it. I know. And I'm not like a big celebrity or anything. And that's why it always throws me off. It's really funny. But if they follow me on social media, people will come up and say something. They'll be like, are you the author of those books? And I've had it happen. Like I've been in the drive throughs Sonic, Pizza Hut. I've been at IHOP with my children in pajamas. Um, <laughs> and, and sorry, our server I came up. Oh, it was, it was hilarious. Our server comes up and she's this young girl and she's like, I just need to know, like, are you Christy Dallas, the author of the Phantom Island series? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> and, you know, and she's like, oh my gosh, I remember when you came to my middle school and I loved your book so much. And Aww. I was like, oh, really? Well, there's another one coming out. You know, I mean, I had a teenage boy come up to me in Target one time. This is when I was full out pregnant and I looked terrible <laughs> and I'm watching for my husband. And this teenage guy just comes walking up to me smiling and I'm going, am I supposed to know this guy? And then he said, are you that author? You know, so I mean, the hair, it's kind of become just a thing now, it. but it is like, I think, you know, when you are uh, producing work for people, there mm -hmm. is an element of marketing that should, you know, your brand 
is also you. It's not just the logo you put out there or whatever. But I mean, I feel like every part of me is part of the Chrissy Dallas brand that people are looking for. And I will say this. I remember watching the Katy Perry movie. I don't know if you ever watched her movie. It was like one of her tours. Uh-uh. But there was a comment There was a comment made on there um, by one of the producers that produced her music. And he said when he first met her, when she walked in the room, he said, you can tell celebrity because they just dress different. They look different. There's something about them that's unique in such a way that they grab your attention. Yeah. And I, that's always kind of stuck with me on the business side of what I do. So when I first started out as an author, I would show up wearing jeans and like my own merch, you know, like my own Uh t-shirts and and all that. And then I thought, you know, I think people do kind of want to feel like I'm not just looking at my aunt or my mom up there talking (laughs) about a book. They want to feel like they're kind of tapping into something trendy or new or cool. At least this is with teenagers. Adults are probably different, but I work with teenagers. You know, how do you capture their attention? And it's funny, the hair is just kind of part of that. So I know it sounds so silly, but it does. It really it really has become like an identifying trait. Before I even knew about that, as far as some of your posts, just from the first time I saw your profile picture, I was like, oh, that's cool here. I wish I could pull that <laughs> off, but I'm too old. I can't pull that off. So you're a good 10 you years younger than that, me. But... <laughs> No, people say that. I really think it's all a state of mind, you know, what you can pull off. But it also has to be what you're comfortable with. If you're not comfortable oh, I would in be your comfortable. own skin, what you're doing, no, I would other be... people, you would? Yeah, totally. Well, I want to see some pink hair on you, Kim, now. <laughs> like, I, I I, need to see that happen. I, might, I, might, I need to do purple, I'm thinking, because that's my favorite color. So yes. we'll, we'll see. Yeah, or we can be purple sisters. We can, yes, we totally can. Question <laughs> on the Phantom series. Everybody's brain works differently. And I love seeing the inner workings of my writer friends. And I consider you a friend after we've been connected as much as we have. Oh, yay. We have. have. We have. So what gave you the idea for the Phantom series? How did that evolve? Did it come to you in a dream? Is it something you thought about from your interaction with students? How did that come? You know, it's funny. There was about, well, I was 27. So this was in 2008. We were watching the Law series. I love that series. The show Lost. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We loved it too. Look, unfortunately, I think the ending kind of ruined it for me. But when the show was going on, we just loved that show. We tuned in every week. I think in the middle of that, the Lord was really doing something in my heart and kind of drawing me into a deeper relationship with Him. And I really started taking ownership of my personal Bible reading time every day and just making sure that was part of every day. And I had to get that part of my life kind of straight. What's interesting, when I look back, the first month that I really made a conscious effort every single day to read my Bible to spend time in prayer and all that, then all of a sudden this creativity started kind of flowing out of me. And I bring up Lost because that show was about this island mm-hmm. where these people, they're playing crash stranded. Yeah. And I started, yeah. And I started thinking, oh, what would happen if like a group of teenagers, you know, magically transported to an island? What would be the rules wow. of the island? What would be the magic? What kind of world would they be in? And so it really kind of formed out of this, what would happen if teenagers were in a situation like this? Now nothing like lost at this point at all. But that's really where the island idea kind of started. And so for about a month, I just built that world, the rules of magic, you know, the earth, wind, water and fire and made my tribes and kind of gave it its own history. And so the first scene that I ever actually sat down and wrote that summer was the scene between Whitney and Gabriel when she first lands on the island and she discovers him swimming. Okay. Like thinks he's a random skinny dipper. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then this that whole conversation that kind of comes out of that where he explains how the island works. Now, obviously, that scene has been revised and changed 
a ton, but by the time it was published, but that's where I started. And then I was like, Hey, now that I've got that, I need to go back and tell the story of how we got here. So it really did start with that show and just playing with the what if, but putting it in a teenage realm. That's amazing. How did you evolve Mm -hmm. into crafting worlds? Because not everybody can do that. Well, you know, like I said, I spent like for the magical side of my books, I spent a, a good month planning everything out, even down to their tribal symbols, because I always knew if I ever produced these books, like I want them to be able to have fake tattoos yeah. <laughs> symbol, <laughs> you know, and, I mean, there's just little things that I thought of, you know, that teenagers were really kind of into at that yeah. time. You know, then I had to find kind of the other piece of the series, which so they start out at Camp Fusion in the series. And for me, the worlds are crafted in such a way that they're very accessible to readers Mm -hmm. because I've seen so many students over the years that struggle to read fantasy because there's words they can't pronounce, you know, um, names or places. It's such a foreign world. And so I've been accused of like being the writer who writes fantasy for people who don't like fantasy because it's everything I did on the island. I used root word knowledge because I wanted my junior high students to be able to immediately get a feel for how the island works. So Eridora, well, that's an air wind. Dora means gift. You know, so when you combine those words, well, there you go. It's wind gifted. That's cool. And so I used a lot of very simple ideas and Latin roots and stuff so that people would already have a, a knowledge kind of going into it. And then for everything magical that happened in the world, like, you know, I was like, I need them to be able to communicate. Okay, I'll create a thing called a Zephyrus. So That's basically a self phone mm-hmm. on the island. So they have so many similarities. They have a bathroom, but their rules of how their things work, you know, it incinerates their, you know, when they use the toilet. I mean, there's little things. I just wanted it to be like our world, but a little off, like it's a little different. The rules are a little different. So yeah, everybody on the island has Hebrew names. Most all of them have Hebrew names and a lot of it, they're tied to biblical stories. Like, so you can kind of see some of the significance in how they were named if you know stories from the Bible. So I did take a lot of inspiration from there too. I love it. Um, Again, just giving people like things they can tie to in their real world because I am, you know, taking characters from the real world and placing them in a foreign world and they've got to be able to adjust. So that's really how I crafted my set. And I, I know earth, wind, fire, and water Those all have like Eastern roots and there's a lot of, you know, um, teachings out there about that. I really didn't research a lot of that. I really just went with the element itself and kind of built my own rules and operation around it. God created all of them. Um, I had an epiphany last night while asleep. The only thing that I would love to see is ice. So is there another island these folks could island hop to to visit another tribe high atop a mountain where there's (laughs) snow and ice? And would they be friends or foe? Like, I'm like, I got to ask if you did something like that, would be they friends or foe? Could you imagine that? Oh, I think if if they're, yeah, I think they would totally get along if they can manipulate some kind of element and work together at it yeah there could be trade between islands yeah that would be a totally interesting thing to go from tropical to you know more wintry yeah yeah I love it I love it see did this come because you were reading them during an ice storm in Oklahoma (laughs) is that where (laughs) a little bit I'm sitting by my fire and I have ice outside and I'm like oh yeah like another island with ice that would be a totally different spin so that that leads to my next question you have five books in the series is there another could there be one with ice tell us the names of the books what's next is fire trap the last in the series or will fans see more from whitney and morgan and caleb who's kind of an on again off again love interest at this point Mm -hmm. i haven't gotten to the end of fire trap so i don't know what happened so don't spoil it for me yeah so we start off with wind chaser and windfall which kind of make up the wind volume and then we've got water crossing and watermark would make up the water volume and then fire trap is releasing this month and it's kind of already making its way out in the world like you already have a a copy too so there is one more book in the series and it will be an earth 
book. So that's the last element. Yeah. That we haven't hit. And definitely uh, there there's two wind books and there's two water books. I've had a lot of people ask, so are you going to do two fire books and two earth books? And I'm like, no, I'm really not. I always envisioned four lengthy books that kind of hit on each element. And Mm -hmm. it's really, you know, you still get to see all the tribes in each book, but it's really, there are themes that relate to that particular element and whatever main character kind of embodies that particular tribe or that element comes in and tells part of the story. So Gabriel comes in on the fire trap and then you have Morgan that came in on the water book. You know, I knew where the story was going to go and where it was going to end. And so at this point, now that I'm getting to end the series, I'm sticking to my original vision. So there's fire trap and then there's one more book and then that's the end. And it will have a definitive ending if I have the courage to do what I've always thought I'm supposed to do at the end of this series. I can Um, tell in your tone you're getting sad because these are your friends. It is. Yeah. These people, I mean, they've been my companions for 12 years. I mean, I've known them longer than my human children. That's (laughs) that's weird, you know? Like, it's weird to think about saying goodbye to them. But I love that they get to live on in the hearts of readers. And it's so cool because doing this for 12 years at this point and getting to kind of come back and finish the series, I've seen the earliest fans that I had that were young and, you know, in middle school, they're all adults now and starting their family and they still are reading the books. And then I've had all these new readers come up. So I'm incredibly blessed. The series has such staying power for so long and continues to find new readers and people to fall in love with it even today. So very thankful. But yeah, there's one more after this. I'm really, really excited. At least there's one more because I was going to be sad if Firetrap was the last one. And and, yeah. and your tone, I mean, I get it. There, I often say that all my imaginary friends are all between <laughs> the pages. You know, mm-hmm. we have our real life friends. It's just that we invest and delve and flesh these characters out and spend so much time with them that when their story is over it's a bittersweet release it really is and I think that we as writers we're processing truth and reality through our stories too so there's so much of my own history and my own spiritual journey contained in the pages of my words so yeah I mean they're not just characters they're they're also in a way you know recreations of ourselves I think in print (laughs) Absolutely. We couldn't write if we didn't have the history to do so. And whether that comes from inside Mm -hmm. of us, but that would be one dimensional. So we have different Mm -hmm. layers. We have what we've experienced and what we know. We've had what crossed the bridge to to our friends and our family and what they've taught us. And we see all the ripple effects and the conversations. And it helps you become a multifaceted writer, which is what you are. Like, Mm -hmm. there are so many books that I start that I just can't finish that I just I can't even get past the first few pages. If I can't hit that midway point and really feel like I'm invested or I'm in, I can't finish it. And with your Mm -hmm. books, there's just not a problem. I mean, it's from page one. Thank you. I really, I really appreciate that because you know, it's, it's been hard with Wind Chaser and Windfall used to be one volume, like Mm -hmm. all together. And so when you have that split, like it does, you know, half of the books can't fusion and the second half is the island. And so I know for some people it feels like a slow start, but it's all about these characters and their lives on both sides of the world. And so it's not wasted time, you know, on this side of the portal. So when people immediately connect to them, that really means a lot. Thank you for that. Talk to me about your writing network. How did you get plugged mm-hmm. into that? Has it helped you become what you are or who you are today? Well, yes. First, I have to give a shout out to Jill Cox, too, because she's one of my favorite writers to begin with. But she's also one of the friendliest people you will ever meet. Yeah. Um, and I think we became friends because she reached out to me and just kind of made me her friend. And how can you not want to be around somebody <laughs> like Jill? She's um, amazing. <laughs> 
she is. And so, yeah, she's been part of our network. You know, years ago, YA books were just really booming. And so there were a lot of us that were writing them together here in Dallas. And so we would get together at IHOP or different places. You know, we'd sit there and write. And it's been awesome to see some of those people go on to be super popular authors and have movie deals and all of that. And, you know, and then we just all kind of keep up with each other. So support system of other writers is huge for me in the sense that, you know, because you're an author too, so many times when you're doing creative work or trying to provide entertainment for people, it's easy to want to give up. Mm -hmm. And I think that that network, having a a network of people who will not let you give up or can at least speak life into you when when you're feeling like, can I really do this? is so important. And I'm thankful because I do. I have a really tight network of authors here in the Dallas area and beyond. Social media has allowed me to connect with people like you and so many other people who cheer me on from afar too and who I get to cheer on and support. And so it's really important to that. And I'm so thankful that Jill, you know, um, introduced me to you and your book. I'm reading uh, your first is Endless Possibilities was the first spiritual gift book, right? Yes, that's the first one in that series. So see, now I'm getting to read that, which has been fun for me because it's out of my genre. Like I usually read teenage books. And so this, I love reading what you've written because it's, it's adults and it's, it's actually a lot of ages of family drama and things kind of going on. So I've been enjoying that escape this week as I've been reading. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Not every book is for every person. So you didn't have to mention that. I really appreciate that. Well, no, I think it's fun and it's unique. I have not read anything like it so far. So I'm enjoying it. I'm a little bit different. I like to say I'm a little bit country, a little bit rock and roll with a little <laughs> bit of Asian flair. You'll see a nod. To nice. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not your typical voice. And some people either really love it or some people either really hate it. I'll never forget that I got a bad review one time because you got uh, a bad review one time. Well, well that's no, nice. one, I got a bad review multiple times. We all get bad reviews. But one of the most <laughs> we classic, do. It's part of it. we do. I'll never forget the one I got was, well, these characters hugged too much, so I'm giving her one star. But but I will have to say that even though they hugged, the reasons they hugged were right and it was appropriate, but they just hugged too much for me. Wow. I bet that person is really loving this pandemic because they don't have to <laughs> hug. I'm like, no joke. I'm like, and so I almost wanted to comment and be like, do you need a hug? <laughs> That's so true. I think they do. I think they do, Kim. I think they do. No, the reviews, you know, you're not a real writer until you get a bad review, right? So they've got to exist out there. And it's true. Not every book is for everybody. I've really come to learn that because I think when I was like wide-eyed publishing my first book, like everybody is going to love this the way I love it. No, that's just not true. No. It's just not true. And that's okay. Criticism is the marquee of excellence. And and Mm -hmm. I say that because if you're getting eyeballs outside of your little circle of people that are going to love you anyways no matter what because Mm -hmm. oh Chrissy you're so great and you are once you start getting those one star two star even three star reviews it's like I know I know people are seeing it I know they're either liking it or not and that's a good thing and so I thank people sometimes for their bad reviews just for at least reading it and attempting to leave a review so yeah I have to know how you're doing at the beginning of this tail end of the year personally I've seen a dip in creativity we've talked about how we feel sometimes affects our writing Uh, my husband actually put up our Christmas tree before Halloween just to give us a solid reminder of the peace we have in our faith and to give us a little extra Mm -hmm. oomph Um, how have you been going through these times and has it affected your creativity or has it spurred you on further to be more creative you know that is a really funny question right before everything kind of shut down in March I had some stuff kind of happen with the books, like the audio books had disappeared and all those stuff. And it was kind of like, I turned to my husband and I was like, if I'm going to start all over and reproduce this entire series and get it all under my rights and my mm-hmm. belt, 
I basically need the whole world to shut down. Like, I can't do anything. We need something to change. <laughs> and then, no joke, like within that month, <laughs> like everything shut down. And I, I Chrissy, told my husband, it's your I mean, fault. <laughs> <laughs> I told my husband, I was like, this is so weird. I feel so bad for saying that now. But I think it was also just like the Lord kind of had kind of told me, like, just wait, I'm going to give you the time you need oh, and you're going to be able to do this. I love that. And so I have a wonderfully supportive husband, Sam. And who the character of Caleb is based on. I love it. Um, but he is so supportive and things kind of changed. We had our children at home all the time. He changed his work schedule and gave me time every single afternoon to work on my books. And I was still teaching and having to do all that online. But I was able to completely revise and redesign the first four books with the help of my graphic designer, Kristen McGregor, and my editor, Katrina Elsie. They worked so hard with me all year. And then I even had, to, I'm starting over with the audiobook. So I set up my own little recording studio at the church because all the classrooms were closed and not being used. And I re-recorded Wind Chaser, which I'm still editing and going to get back up there. So now I've got like my own little recording studio that I can redo all the audiobooks as time presents. And I can't believe, so from March to now, I've been able to produce five books, like reproduce the first four and get a whole new one out there. And it's just astounding to me what the Lord has done and given me time and creativity to do. I don't know if that's just how I dealt with things happening in 2020. Like I just kind of stayed lost in my own world. I don't know. And with my family, but it's actually been a really peaceful time in our home and um, in my life, I think that we are the kind of people that are always busy all the time. And so for the first time in our adult lives, like things just really slowed down enough for us to breathe. And out of that, I just had all this creativity and drive and motivation come up. So I know it has been horrible for other people. For me, it was truly a gift and I used it as a gift. And I even had said to my husband at one point, I was like, you know, my goal is to get to the end of 2020 and be able to look back and say, this was a good year for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to cry just thinking about that because it has been, mm. God has been so good. And I think even in the middle of all the horrible things that have been going on and the sadness and the, the things that are bubbling up in our society that need to bubble up, right. like I have been front row seat to see God working in the individual lives of people. I've had so many fruitful conversations with people and seeing lives change. So why it may, the picture may look ugly from the outside. There are intricacies in each person's life that I think if they were open and willing and listening to the voice of God, I really do see him working and, and doing things. So so there's been some sweet things in there too. And that, that. that's a beautiful thing. That's a really, really, really good answer. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> your heart is seen through your books. It's amazing to see different authors' voices and, and what they portray and put out into the world. Your heart is definitely in your books. So just FYI. Thank you. That. You're welcome. Let's talk writers. <laughs> Who are some of your favorite writers? Okay. So favorite writers, of course, again, I'm going to say Jill Cox because I always say Jill is like the mistress of wit. And dialogue, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. I could read, like her stuff is just so witty. So I really appreciate her stories for that aspect of it. I I get so close to her characters. I love Kira Cass. I will read anything Kira Cass puts out there. She did the selection series. She just produced The Betrothed. And then she's got the sequel to that one coming out. And I love that too, because Kira writes 
uh, like me, we try, we're writing, you know, YA fiction, general fiction for teens, Mm -hmm. but Kira is also uh, a Christian. So it's really cool to see how she's kind of written her books while she's writing for a general audience. You can kind of see that there are some boundaries in place for her with how she writes and what she does in her romance. And, and then also she based the selection series on the book of Esther and I'm, and in the betrothed, I've seen a lot of Ruth ties. Like there's some stuff that's kind of coming out to me that's very Ruth. So I haven't researched if that's exactly what she's doing. How do you spell her Um, name? Kira, K-I-E-R-A, and then Cass, C-A-S-S. Okay, I'm going to have to go check her out. And it's kind of like The Bachelor meets, I don't know, The Book of Esther. (laughs) It's really like in dystopia, like it's a dystopian bachelor um, in the selection series. So they're pretty hard to put down. A.G. Howard is another one of my favorite. I love her YA stuff. So she wrote the Splintered series, which is like a dark retelling of the great, great granddaughter of Alice from Alice in Wonderland. Oh, wow. And yeah, and everything is so vivid in my mind when I read. I love her world building and I love her as a person. I've gotten to do a lot of events with her. So she's one of my favorites. She's got a, an adult book that's coming out. And then, you know, really some of my favorite stuff growing up, I know influences how I write now because I was such an avid reader, even as a child and a mm-hmm. teenager. But I used to read, you know, Nancy Drew oh, and yeah. Babysitter's Club, Sweet Valley High. Yeah. Did you ever hear of the Trixie Belden book? No, I did not. Oh, I used to read those at my mom's copies from when she was a kid. They are kind of like Nancy Drew. I loved series books because I loved getting close to characters and just continuing their life journey and their adventures. And so I know that that definitely influences why I write series and these long epic stories, just following these people's lives. So yeah, those are just some of my favorites. And of course, I mean, I'm a huge Harry Potter fan and all the big authors, but those are just some of my favorites. <laughs> so what is your end all be all for your books? Can you imagine them on screen? Oh, them? yeah. I can Isn't too. Isn't that yeah. you can too? Uh, that's the one thing I hear probably the most from readers is like, I need this in a movie. Like I just see it as a movie. Mm-hmm. And I think I wrote it very cinematically because I love movies too. And I can totally see it playing out on screen. So of course the, the end all be all dream would be a movie deal, but my prayer always is, you know, I just want to be where the Lord is and where he wants me. And so if that's not there, it's not there. And I'm okay with that. It's his will. Yeah. So <laughs> I think definitely movies. We need Phantom Island, the movie or the series. I think it could make a good series on screen. I mean, there's lots of good little cliffhangers you could kind of end each episode on that's where if you are interested in that maybe I could help give you some direction so I always ask this just to kind of give anybody that's listening that might be interested in what you do a little hint so for anyone out there that has the dream to write what advice could you pass along this is the hardest question to answer because there's so much advice out there (laughs) okay what's your top two things I would say at this phase of my life, and I probably would have said totally different things 12 years ago, but I think what's most important when you're a writer is that you love what you write and you love the process of writing. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, there's a lot of time that goes into writing and you don't get that back. So if you're not loving what you're doing, then that time is wasted. But there's no time wasted if you love what you do. I see a lot of writers sometimes that struggle and complain about what they're doing. And I'm like, you got to love it too. If you're not doing it because you love it and the dream is just I want to produce something either for money or something for fame or I want this or that, none of those things are guaranteed. And so if that's your your end goal and those things aren't realized, then yeah, you're going to look back and feel like I wasted this time. 
loving the process as well as loving what you write. I just think that is so important because life is too short to be wasting it on things that you're not loving. And then at the same time, I would say for the Christian, for the believer who's writing, I really encourage them to make it part of their worship, Mm -hmm. make it a service to the Lord. Because again, you don't know where it's going to go, what's going to happen with it in the future. But I don't have any regrets when I look back on all the different publishing, you know, ups and downs that I've had. There's no regret tied to any of that because it was always like the Lord was with me, walked with me through all of it. I was walked closely with him. And so it's our experience together and seeing my relationship with, the, with God grow through that particular talent and that particular, that's my service to the Lord. If that's not how it is, then maybe it's not what you should be doing, or maybe you need to find a different story <laughs> that you can do it with. <laughs> Some of us have to learn that way, that you listen and you fix it and you allow the Holy Spirit to kind of direct that process and then at the end of the day, you have work that you're proud of, and that is reflective of your heart and your relationship with the Lord. I think that's awesome. <laughs> well, I appreciate you being here so very much. Is there anything else you'd like to say before I sign off? No, I just thank you so much for letting me be a part of this. Um, people can find me online at chrissydallas.com, and I'm very active on, as you know, on Instagram and Facebook. So I would love to meet writers and readers, especially if you've got teenagers in your life. That's my heart. Yeah. So, and yeah, Chris- find me online. Thank you for listening. This has been Kimberly McKay with one of my new faves, Chrissy Dallas. If you like what you hear, share. There's a support button to share the love and tune in next time. Oh, 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 oh,